This is a rare bootleg recording of Patti Smith and her band on stage at the Bottom Line in New York City in 1975. They are about to perform a cover of the Lloyd Parks reggae song, Mafia. Go on, go on, put you can, Or you can hurry up and qu- quick put on, like, under my thumb or something. Anything you want. Called the Punk Poet Laureate, Smith has successfully fused rock music and poetry into her work. Her most widely known song, Because the Night, co-written with Bruce Springsteen, was a hit in 1978, reaching number 13 in the U.S. and number 5 in the U.K. Smith has influenced a who's who of popular musicians, including Madonna, Morrissey, and Michael Stipe, and she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. Of particular interest to me is the fact that Smith has been vocal about her love of reggae and deserves credit for helping to introduce it to the downtown New York music scene of the 70s. According to Evan Rapport, author of Damaged, Musicality and Race in Early American Punk, Smith was much more committed to reggae than music critics and biographers have given her credit for. Reggae has always been serious business for Smith, and her interest in the music goes much deeper and has been far more existential than the carefree island vibes of her mainstream rock contemporaries who have dabbled in the genre. Hi, this is Mark Wasserman. Welcome to I Don't Like Reggae, I Love It, a special audio series of the Skaboom podcast that focuses on the historical origins and impact of reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena and cultural implications of cod reggae. In this episode, I focus on Patti Smith's embrace of reggae 
that started with the song Redondo Beach on her 1975 debut album, Horses. But before we get started, you may be asking, what is cod reggae? The meaning of the word cod is thought to have originated in the 19th century and is almost exclusively a British term. Cod, in the sense of joke, hoax, leg pull, appears in the early 20th century and features in James Joyce's portrait of the artist as a young man. Quote, some fellows had drawn it there for a cod. Cod also functions as an adjective. Bernard Scher's slanguage quotes a politician on Irish TV news saying, that's a cod argument. Everyone knew what they were voting for. So, by definition, cod reggae means faux, joke, or nonsense reggae. I'm not so sure where Redondo Beach falls on the cod reggae spectrum. Reggae wasn't a passing fad for Smith. Looking back to assess the cultural impact of horses 40 years after its release in 2015, The Guardian stated, quote, With rock culture at a lull in the mid-70s, many looked to the roots rebel sound of Jamaica, anointing Bob Marley as a kind of dreadlocked Dylan surrogate the other Bob then being in a state of semi-retired seclusion. Smith was among those smitten. A year after Horses, she even plunged into a full-blown infatuation with Rastafarianism. She said, I can't say I was a Rasta, but I went through a period where I was studying all aspects of Rastafarianism, including smoking a lot of pot while reading the Bible. As evidence of that, Smith and her band also performed a version of Burning Spears' Slavery Days. Smith was quoted as saying, quote, I think our band has a connection with all people, whether Rastafarians or New Wave kids. I couldn't call our band anything. We're not a punk rock band. We're not a reggae band. We're not even an outer space band. We're a band that strives for communication with all people. Rapport makes the case in his book that Smith's interest in reggae paralleled that of punks like Joe Strummer, John Lydon, and Ari Up of the Slits. They all saw Rastafarians as marginalized in ways that went beyond race. But as Don Letts later explained, quote, The reggae thing and the punk thing, it's the same fucking thing, just the black and white version. The origin story of Redondo Beach is fascinating. Originally written and published as a poem in 1972, Redondo Beach was recorded, then lost, then re-recorded, finally making it onto horses. It may be evidence of the first official incidents of a punk reggae hybrid. Here's audio of Smith describing how the demo, recorded in 1973, came about. A long time ago, before we did horses, um... We went into the studio before we had a drummer to do a little demo. 
And uh, I had never been in a studio before. You know, I, well, I had done Piss Factory, but I, I really didn't have much experience being in a studio. And we went in the studio and uh, recorded three little songs. And I didn't know about mixing, you know, mixing the songs. So I only had enough money for the recording. And so the, the man had mixed it, so he wouldn't give us the tapes because I didn't have enough money to pay him. So I had to go back and make some money. I went back to pay him, and he said, oh, I lost those tapes. I don't know where they are. So the tapes were lost. So when we were putting uh, the, the Land CD together, Lenny Kay got a call, and some guy said, you know, I bought this little recording studio, and back in a corner, I found some tapes with Patty's name on it. Do you want them? Lenny said, okay. And Lenny got the tapes, and he listened to them, and they were the tapes that we had made in 1974. And we had not heard them for, like, how many years is that? You know, 25 years or something. We, we had not ever heard them. No one's heard them. They were never bootlegged. They were never out. So I thought, when I heard the Redondo Beach, and it was the original Redondo Beach before we had drums and things, I, I thought it would be very nice, since the people liked that song, to give them the very original of that song. So that's why it's, it's put on disc, too. Now, here's the original demo version, which I actually prefer to the version on horses. It was so dismal 
Now, on the surface, a song that name-checks a beach could be construed as a cliché for any cod reggae recording. In fact, Redondo Beach was a popular destination, or perhaps a safe haven, for lesbians living near Los Angeles at the time. With the backdrop established, Smith tells the tale of an untimely suicide of a young woman and a love that never was. Despite the laconic reggae sound, the lyrics convey a kind of sufferer's music that reggae artists of the 70s could have appreciated but never would have imagined. Smith shared her approach to the song in an interview she did in 2005. Quote, I always enjoyed doing transgender songs. That's something I learned from Joan Baez, who often sang songs that had a male point of view. No, my work does not reflect my sexual preferences. It reflects the fact that I feel total freedom as an artist. On horses, that's why the sleeve note has the statement about being beyond gender. By that, I meant that as an artist, I can take any position, any voice that I want. Smith revealed that the song is actually about her sister, Linda. The pair, who were rooming together at the Chelsea Hotel in New York, had an argument, and Linda ran off and disappeared. Now, Redondo Beach was an outlier on Smith's album, but that didn't mean her interest and passion for reggae ever waned. As it turned out, her bandmate Lenny Kay picked up a copy of Man of Warrior, the 1973 debut album by Tapper Zuki, from a West London back-alley reggae stall soon after it was released, and brought it back to New York. It made a huge impression on Smith. Tapperzuki was one of the few Jamaican artists in the late 70s that crossed over with the emerging punk new wave audience. Smith was such a fan that she said she had practiced her poetry over the rhythms of the Man of Warrior album before reworking them as songs with her band. Acknowledging this influence, she brought Tapperzuki on stage with her at the Hammersmith Odeon in October 1975 and introduced him to a whole new audience that accepted reggae. Tapperzuki related his memory of meeting Smith during an interview he did with Don Letts in the mid-90s. Oh, Patti Smith connection. Well, I didn't know Patti Smith. She was just something out of the clear blue sky. One day I was sleeping in Militan Barry's house and he wake me and say, a, a, a young man on the phone by the name of Don Lett, right? And he said a lady by the name of Patti Smith invite us at a concert done by Amma Smith Odeon. Well, anyway, I decided to go and done it and it's bridging. I don't remember his other friend who was with, with him at that time. Well, they came from a militant barrier and we went down to the Amma Smith Odeon. Don't know what we were, who were going to see, never see this lady before. All right, they take us around to the side door when we tell them who we were. Well, we went in. She was playing on the stage. 
she stopped playing and she came around. This little lady and she come and she hold me in and she bow down in front of me, man, and she said, Oh man, when I see you, man, it's like I seen James Brown, man. She said, you know, I learned to play music from your album, Mana Warrior. She said, come, you have to say something to my public. You have to say something to the audience, man. And she hold my hands and she carried me right out. It was a three-way walking stage, right? And she bowed down on the stage and tell the, the audience that she learned to play music from my songs. And she said, I must say something to the public. She gave me the mic. And then she run for Danlet and she grab him right over the stage and put a guitar in his hand and run for Militant Barry and put a guitar in his hands. At the time, she thought they was my musicians. So, dear, well, I, 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 I took the mic and I said the Psalms. I was glad when they say Antoine, let's go down in the house of the Lord God, the rest of the I was there talking. Till all, all of a sudden, I hear the, 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 the theater does start. And, but I, I noticed nobody was looking direct at me. So I looked where to see where they was looking. And it was Danlet and Militant Barry and then flashing their locks and taking away the show. <laughs> yeah, so then, then Patti Smith run, come with the bass guitar now and give it to me. No, you know, but I could play a couple of things and I start to play, keep on moving, you know, that bass boom, bam, tum, 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 right? And we have done let them start, we, we was just playing, you know, and next day, next day I was in all, all major people. Later, Lenny Kay's Murr label re-released Man of Warrior in 1977 complete with a new front cover image by Smith's best friend, Robert Maplethorpe. As a result of the K. Smith connection, Mana Warrior enjoyed far greater exposure among rock and roll circles. Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth was a fan and was quoted during an interview with The Skinny in 2015 saying, quote, I bought it only because it was on Patty's label. I'd never known too much about reggae music at that point. I'd listened to Bob Marley and whatever, but was never a super fan. But this record made me a super fanatic about reggae. Everything about it was awesome. I loved this record because it was so stark. It's basically just a guitar making a kind of percussive clicking sound. Very simple notation. And this Rasta vibration voice just intoning on top of it. Very stark and minimal. Really a strange sounding record. I'd play it all the time, over and over, and it led me into investigating Jamaican reggae culture and how it went into ideas of otherworldliness which I really liked. Mana Warrior was really important to me. Smith and Kay toured with Taprazuki in the UK and the US, and he performed with the band in March 1977 in New York. Here's audio of Taprazuki chatting over the Smith track, Ain't It Strange. Very privileged to introduce uh, the next gentleman to you. In the past six months in England, he's had three singles in the reggae charts. He uh, released the best reggae album of all time, Man of Warrior. The man who gave you MPLA, the member of the People's Liberation Army, Takazuki. 
found them be new clowns. And this one, the king and I put him down on the ground. During this series, I'll be taking a deep dive into well-known and obscure reggae tracks, including Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus, and more. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Supporters get access to exclusive content, like special episodes of this series, and advanced promo chapters from the book. Just go to patreon.com backslash Podcast for more information. Thanks for listening and take care. <laughs>